It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the studios of 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G, welcoming you to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast and thanking you for spending part of your day with us. Coming up on this episode of LOT, I'll tell you why you can expect Darius Baisley to get some run in Oklahoma City this year and not just for the OKC Blue. We'll also talk about when the Thunder may have been wanting to deal Russell Westbrook. Was he available as early as the NBA draft? And what does that say about the what the Thunder knew when it came to Paul George and his request to go out to Los Angeles with Kawhi Leonard. And if we have time today, we'll get into the proposed tampering rules. I'll tell you why I think they're bad for the NBA. And also, there's a possibility that we'll talk a little Team USA as well. If you don't know who I am, my name is Eric G. I am the editor-in-chief for Thunder Maven. That is a Sports Illustrated channel that is dedicated to covering all things Thunder. It has opinions, analysis, and stories, and it's not just limited to that, but we do a lot of video features there as well, and you can find that at basketballmaven.io slash thunder. I'm also the co-host of the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, and I'm on the air every weekday from 11 to 2. Check us out on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa or at our new app, Uh, which you can find on the Google Play or the Apple App Store. So let's jump into it uh, with our player capsule today of Darius Baisley, who next to Deontay Burton is the hardest member of this team to put into a box. We know absolutely nothing about Darius Baisley. Actually, that's not true. We know a few things about Darius Baisley. What we don't know is how his skill set is going to translate to the NBA once the lights come on. We don't even know how his skill set is going to translate when he gets into training camp. So let's talk about what we do know about Darius Baisley. And earlier, I I already did a player capsule on him earlier. And my thought about Darius Baisley was, okay, so he can shoot the tray against high school kids. He can cross up high school kids. He can rebound against AAU competition, and he can block against AAU competition. How is that really going to help him in the NBA? Well, after going back and watching some of his summer highlights, some of his summer league highlights, I'm more confident that this guy could actually turn into a Kevin Durant-type player that can do the dirty work down below. Now, before you get too excited when you hear that or think I'm speaking in hyperbolic tones... I am tapping the brakes on that a little bit because Darius Baisley certainly has that 6'9 long frame and he has the range. Darius Baisley proved during Summer League he can not only hit from three from high school range, but he certainly can hit from three from the NBA range to the tune of shooting over 40% 
during the summer league this year. Actually, it was 43% if you want to get into the if you want to get into the exact numbers. But what you don't know, how many of those shots were contested shots? Who was contesting those shots? Were they NBA-type players, or were they just guys that are going to be lucky to stay in the G League this year or possibly end up in Europe? Were they just simply wide-open shots because the defense breakdown? And a few of the ones that I saw, or most of the ones that I saw from Summer League, were pretty much wide open. I didn't see a lot of contested shots, and I need to know that Darius Baisley can make that contested three in order to be dangerous when he's playing in the association. Field goal percentage was great, too, at 36%. But again, what kind of competition are you playing in? The one thing, I mean, if you're you're talking about the one or two things that really gave me hope about Darius Baisley, it wasn't his shooting percentage, and it wasn't what he was doing from beyond the arc. It was the fact that around the rim, the guy could block and the guy could rebound. And he had, what was it, 18 total rebounds this year. Mixed that in with five blocks. The competition, as always, which is the running theme, is the big question. But the skill set is there. And when you watch him bring the ball up the court, the guy brings it up like a point guard. Brett Dawson wrote that he handles the ball like a wing. I thought he handled the ball a lot like a point guard. I mean, if you wanted to put him in that point forward type spot, he's a guy that could run it. That's why I say... He's the Kevin Durant that could do the dirty work, or at least all the parts are there for him to be the Kevin Durant that actually does the work, the dirty work down below. But now it's an opportunity for Billy Donovan over these next few weeks, once training camp gets started here on the 28th, to really plug and play this guy, to really figure out what he can bring to this team. And the thing that I would do with Billy Donovan is because you don't have a defined position for Darius Baisley, which, by the way, for me, that's a positive. In in the NBA, I don't necessarily want you to be defined by position. I want you to be positionless. The first thing I look for, and that's why I had it right at the top when we were going down the when we were going down his numbers or going down the stats, was can you shoot the three? That's the biggest question I need to know about the current about you playing in the NBA right now. And I don't know if that says more about the way the current state of the NBA is or just what more the Thunder were lacking over the last few years by not having that many three-point shooters. The first thing I need to know is can you shoot the three? The next thing I need to know is how many positions can you play on the floor and how many of those positions Can you play well? Because the biggest red flag I ever hear from any coach is, well, we don't have him playing his natural position. Go back to Carmelo Anthony. Deontay Burton's another guy that we've talked about for a while. Uh, Carmelo Anthony playing the four, not playing the three, not being comfortable playing the four. Well, you're you're now playing a brand of basketball where you've got to figure out, with the switches and everything else that goes on, you've got to figure out what your place is on the floor. And if you're a little bit out of position, you still have to be able to play that well and contribute to the team. So if I'm Billy Donovan and I'm looking at Darius Baisley with that 6'9 long frame, I'm going to play him at the 4, I'm going to play him at the 3. I'm going to give him opportunities to play both of those positions, I may even run him, even though he's got the skills of a guard, I may run him at the five 
a few times over the over the training camp just because I want to see what he's like at all those positions. And when you've got a guy as physically gifted as Baisley is, use him as many ways as possible. The Thunder spent a first-round draft pick on him. It wouldn't hurt to see just how this guy can help you and how many different ways he can go about helping you. So for Billy Donovan, I almost consider it a luxury to have this kind of guy. And I think, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw from Summer League. So it gives me hope that not only might we see him sooner rather than later, but when you think about the fact that the Thunder is thin at the four, and I'm not even really sure that they're all that deep at three either. I mean, right now, we talk about guys playing out of position. Right now, just about every depth chart you look at has Danilo Gallinari playing the four, and I'm begging for him to play the three. And if Baisley proves that he can be a guy that can come in and play right away, especially if you can put him at the three or the four, if you can interchange him, then maybe I am going to be a little bit more tempted if I'm Billy Donovan to start Gallinari at the three, put Muscala at the four, because I know that I've got a capable backup coming off the bench at four. I can keep Gallinari in his natural position. Yes, I just said that. And then I can worry about Muscala and Baisley interacting with the four, and then I can figure out who's going to back up the three, or maybe I bring in Baisley to back up the three as well. But there's so many questions on this basketball team And in a sense, it's kind of a coach's dream with as many different players as you've got that should be able to play as many different positions as they are. And there's more offensive firepower than we've seen in quite some time here in Oklahoma City. Um, For Billy Donovan, no, I don't think he's sweating it at all. I I think if you're that mad scientist type of coach, you've got enough players that you can be going to the dry erase board and figuring out all sorts of different lineups that you can play, and hopefully throughout the preseason. Once we start to see these guys play games, we'll actually get an opportunity to see multiple lineups out there with multiple guys doing very different things. But honestly, I think Baisley has enough talent, has enough skill, where he should be able to get a little run um, over at the peak and not spend his entire time at the Cox Center this year. But, hey, anytime he's got an opportunity to play, he should. Have him on the court as much as possible because that year off, while he may look okay and he's got the skills, it's just needing to get into game shape and it's needing to figure out how the game is played. That's the, that's where he's really lacking. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. I want to remind you that if you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged, then Peloton is the thing for you because it's got an immersive cardio experience that actually has real-time features and it'll always keep you coming back. So it's not like, hey, I do Peloton and it sucks. I don't want to do it anymore. No, it is absolutely perfect to keep your body and your mind engaged. And you can get $100 off of all accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Just go to OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Use the promo code LOCK and get started. Coming up next, were the Thunder really thinking about trading Russell Westbrook around the around the draft? Well, we'll talk about it right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. 
Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, or at least three days a week right now until training camp gets started, and that's when we go a full five days a week here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. And this is an exciting year for me, exciting year for the Locked On Thunder podcast, for Thunder Maven, for you as well, because we really don't know what to expect from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And right now, it's all conjecture, it's all opinions. We won't know anything until we get to see these guys on the court. And even after a few weeks, we may not know anything because what you're seeing in November may not be the team that you see in February. And I was having a conversation with uh, another media colleague who actually covers the Thunder, and we were talking about whether or not it's best for the Thunder to make the playoffs. And essentially the conclusion we came to was, you might have better attendance if this if people fall in love with this team and Chris Paul and they're gritty and they play hard and they're doing better than what most people had expected. But at the same time, if you're truly trying to rebuild, you're probably better off being in the lottery than making the playoffs. And you want to use as many of those draft picks as possible to get in new talent. And the other part of that draft picks is you want to use it to trade and get maybe already established talent, which we've gone round and round about this. But that does bring me to this. Rachel Nichols said something on the jump the other day where she mentioned that there were talks that the Oklahoma City Thunder were making Russell Westbrook available right around the draft. And what that tells you if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan is that Sam Presti wanted to tear down this team after the end of the season. And there's the, the, that's not even a question, okay? If you were wondering about that, one, just look at all the moves that he made with Paul George and Russell Westbrook and how many draft picks he acquired. Throw Jeremy Grant into that conversation. But if you were seriously talking about trading Russ close to the draft, that means you knew this team had no chance to win a championship and you were done. And further proof of that, you don't have to go back any further than last year's, not this season's, Last season's exit interview from Sam Presti, and he was asked about the Thunder being in the luxury tax, how comfortable they were with that. And what Sam Presti told you was Clay Bennett's willing to pay as long as this team's got a chance to win. When somebody says win, that means championships. They knew the Thunder didn't have an opportunity to do that. So why not start the Russell Westbrook talks early? And it's interesting that if if that talk was available, that, one, there wasn't anyone that bit, but two, if the Thunder are going to sit here and try and pass off that they didn't have some sort of idea that Paul George was going to ask for that trade, then this is a tell for me. This says to me they knew something was going on. 
they had a feeling that Paul was about to pull the plug or somebody was about to pull the plug, so they were just going to go ahead and get started as quickly as possible on all this. And for us to be upset about it, first of all, as a fan, I, I don't think it's worth it to be upset. Because you've got two choices here. One, the team can stay competitive. You can watch your superstars, but you know where the ceiling is. And for me, that's no fun. It's 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 no fun to win a whole bunch of regular season games and then go into the playoffs, but knowing ultimately how it's going to end with your teams losing. I at least want to go into the playoffs as a fan with a little bit of false hope, thinking that maybe if things bounce a certain way, that my team has an opportunity to go out and win a championship, and the Thunder just weren't going to provide that. Plus, if you think about everything that happened in free agency with the Trailblazers nailing down their roster, getting Hassan Whiteside, then came the the Mike Conley trade. The Mike Conley trade was huge, absolutely huge. And I have to think that once the Thunder saw that, once the Thunder saw the Blazers getting better, and then the Anthony Davis trade, it was toast. They knew they knew exactly what they were. They probably knew at the end of the season. So why not blow it up? Why not put yourself in a situation where, yes, it might take a while, but at least you're moving in the right direction? The only thing that I can say for with, with any certainty about all this is that I think the majority of the guys that you see on the Thunder this year are not going to be here ultimately for them to get back to that level. Even Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think at some point, might become trade bait if the Thunder think they can do better than him. For 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 me, it's all experimental, and it's the weirdest situation for any player to be in because unlike a tanking team, which you know exactly what a tanking team is when you get signed to it, Thunder don't necessarily know if they're tanking or not. They, they they haven't necessarily made that decision. Now, they've made the decision to rebuild, but when you have Chris Paul and you have Steven Adams and you have um, a guy like Danilo Gallinari, you can win a whole bunch of games with, with those kind of players. You can win games with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But is it that exactly what they want to do? And I don't think the Thunder know what they want to do yet. Or I think they do know what they want to do. They're just waiting for somebody to blow them away with an offer for what players they have so they can go out and get more draft picks. Either way, I'm going to love talking about this this year because it's what makes the NBA so great is the drama in situations like this. Coming up next here on the Locked on Thunder um, podcast, sort of a running theme, I'll tell you why I think the proposed the proposed tampering rules are bad for the association. We'll get into that next here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. We'll be back on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we'll talk about the new salary cap, 
situation, what it means for the luxury tax with the Thunder. Uh, We'll do another Thunder player capsule. This time we'll go with Terrence Ferguson, and we'll even talk about Team USA and why it's okay to actually root for other countries during the World Cup, Olympics, and other basketball competition. We'll get into that all right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. The NBA is about to make a grave mistake when it comes to tampering. Um, First and foremost, there is a memo that has gone out where the NBA is actually wanting to crack down on tampering to the tune of fining teams $10 million if they get caught tampering. They're also proposing, one, um, that there's a requirement that teams preserve communications with a player and their agents for at least one year. Um, They want you to rat. They, they want to have a new channel for teams and employees to anonymously report tampering. And they want to prohibit players from trying to induce a trade while they are under contract. And all this is terrible. Terrible for the NBA. One, because tampering helps build teams. Tampering helps give cities hope where once they had no hope. And I'm big on that. It is good when these players get together and decide to go to a particular town and try and win a championship because not only does it build excitement in that city, it builds excitement around the league, and we love to talk about it. It also, if you had these rules in place, Sam Presti would not have been able to get the haul he did for Paul George because Paul George could not come to him and say, hey, I want to go to Los Angeles why don't you trade me for the Clippers? Ah, Sam Presti couldn't do that. Paul George would just be stuck in Oklahoma City. He'd be miserable, and it would be up to the Thunder then to figure out a way to trade Paul George while it eventually got out into the media and the public that the dude was miserable the way that it did for Anthony Davis. And even, I would say even the Pelicans, made off with a pretty good deal for Anthony Davis, even though it didn't look like they were holding all the cards after his agent and Davis made it it very public that they wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, everybody tampers, okay? And there is no way that you can shut down the lines of player communication unless you're just flat out going to find players for not talking to each other. They're going to talk. Guys are going to become friends. You've got an AAU culture now, and they're going to want to play on the same team. That's just where you are. And unless you make a rule, because here's the deal. Unless you make a rule that states if a player requests to trade to a specific team or a specific team is caught tampering, that they then lose the right to said player, then you're never really going to slow it down. And as I said earlier, there are teams like the Lakers, there are teams like the Clippers and the Knicks. Um, If the Knicks were actually smart, you can throw the Celtics into this, the Bulls, where you've got large television contracts. You get a ton of money coming in uh, just off the TV contract alone. And you want to get fined $100 million for talking to 10 players, but let's say you get five of them and your team wins a championship. I would imagine that you're probably be making up close to that $100 million in what you're getting in TV revenue, plus what you're getting in merchandise sales, plus what you're getting from ticket sales, concessions, parking, whatever you have a piece of, you'll be able to make up that money. And for me, if I'm a big market team, that's just money well spent. Find me all you want, but I'm going to do everything I can 
to make my team better. And I don't think small market owners mind this at all because of the mentality of the small market team. Even a team like Milwaukee, who seems like they're on the verge of being really good for a very long time, the mentality has to be make your run while you can, get everything you can out of these players. If you win one championship, great. If you win two, that is more than anybody could have ever expected. And then once they get too expensive, once you start having to pay these maxes and you get into the luxury tax, then that's the time to tear it down and bill over. And that's how this all works. And Oklahoma City being a small market town, that's what we got to hope for. You win a championship, maybe two. You have some good years like we did before. And then once the team gets too expensive and Clay Bennett doesn't want to pay it anymore, tear it down and start the process over, which I'm fine with because I understand that that's the way it works. I'm not sure fans always get that, or I'm not sure fans always like that, but that's the situation we're in. We'll be back on Wednesday. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Wishing you and your family the best. May God bless you and your family. And as always, peace, love, and thunder up. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.